0: It's August thirteenth, two thousand six, and this is the Candid Frame. But well, welcome to another show. Uh, by the time I'm uploading this episode, I'll probably be on my way back or already be back from my photographic workshop. In Santa Fe with Jamie Zell, and I'll likely be making some comments about that uh, two weeks from now when I post the the very next episode. But I'll probably be probably be uh, editing this episode on the plane flight uh, to Santa Fe, and it's, I think the idea of it is very cool. That the fact that I can do this, even though I'm going to be, you know, traveling thousands of miles above the Earth. So, uh, yeah, small aside, but I think. Just the fact that I have all this technology in this small little box that I can take anywhere with me is really kind of amazing. But uh, besides that, I wanted to talk about our guest for today. And I met Regis Lefebvre a couple of years ago when they had Canon released the Canon uh, Digital Rebel, the the first one. And uh, I went to a junket in Monterey where they were having an American Le Mans race and I had the opportunity to not only use the camera, but have the chance to shoot motorsports. And my knowledge of all automobiles is pretty limited. I mean, I have a car, I drive it, but uh, beyond the fact that uh, it requires gas and an oil change every 3,000 miles, my knowledge of uh, cars is pretty limited, and my knowledge of motorsports is even less so. So uh, I went up there, and they give me this gear and these long lenses, I think it was a, like a 300 millimeter lens, and I had an opportunity to go out and, and shoot these cars that were going hundreds of miles an hour, and, um, well, I took a lot of pictures, I really can't speak to the quality of the images, but uh, I, it's hard to justify uh, the amount of hard drive space that the hundreds of images that I, that I took take up on my hard drive. Um, the realization was is that uh, shooting shooting motorsports is is a challenge, and being able to create real great photographs is is a real skill. And Regis is has that skill. He is very good. When you visit his site, I think you'll be as amazed as I am uh, at the quality of his work. Because his work is more than just documenting a race or documenting a a driver taking a turn. He has a real wonderful awareness of color and composition that's really phenomenal. Um, It's it's always difficult for for a photographer to make a real distinct mark on on a real competitive market like uh, Regis has to contend with. But I think when you take a look at his photographs, you'll feel that he has succeeded in doing that his editorial work is just as strong and and when you take a look at his portraiture and and his other work on his uh, website, I think you'll agree Um, whether or not you have an interest in motorsports, you'll have an interest in his photography because I think it's an exceptional uh, example of how a photographer, when he is keenly aware of light of shadow, of shape of composition, how he can make virtually any subject not just a document of a moment but an exceptionally beautiful piece of art. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Regis LaFibio. I went to see
1: Blue Velvet last night. First time I've ever seen
0: it. Oh really? Yeah, th- we have
1: an AFI. Uh, AFI has a uh, they opened a new theater here uh, near East Coast headquarters. And it's like a five minute walk from my house. And uh, what a great theater! Have you seen Blue Velvet?
0: Oh yeah, I saw it when it was first uh, released. Actually, I I was in college on the newspaper and I interviewed uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's very cool. Yeah,
1: the theater here is very, is, is fantastic. It's an old uh, movie palace, and uh, the decor of a, uh, a 1930s style luxury liner, ocean liner, and, uh, and it was nearly torn down and. Uh, years ago sat in disrepair for all that time and then the county government along with AFI renovated it and uh, brought it back to life as an AFI and it's all thoroughly you know it's got the latest high-tech wizardry and all that big screen beautiful seats uh, with plenty of leg room uh, and uh, and last night for Blue Velvet they were selling Pat's Blue Ribbons for two dollars a can. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really (laughs) nice. That's excellent. So I no. walked to and sat down and
0: watched the movie. Oh, very cool. Yeah, man, you need that relaxed time.
1: Yeah. Well, wild thing, definitely a signature piece, I would think. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So, if, uh, so let's get started. Okay. First off, I want to thank you for making the time this morning to talk to me. I've been talking to you the last couple of days, so I know how how busy your schedule has been as of late. So I really appreciate you making the time.
1: Thanks. Yes my pleasure I'm honored
0: well tell me you know what came first love of motorsports or photography
1: motorsport for sure yeah yeah yeah. my uh, older brothers got me into it when uh, I was uh, 12 they were working uh, in support of the events as uh, timing and scoring and uh, started taking me to local events in Marlboro, Maryland and then to Watkins Glen New York when I was 12 to 13, and um, followed lots of various aspects of the sports, including Indy, Formula One, sports cars were my sort of main interest, of my passion.
0: And how did that segue into uh, photography?
1: Uh, there was also a desire to uh, take to, uh, photographs just from looking at all the various magazines, Life, Geographic, all of that stuff. And, uh, it was, uh, uh the two sort of ran parallel to each other. And, uh, both sort of sat dormant until, uh, until I was in my thirties, and, uh, when my girlfriend first bought me a camera. And, uh, and I became a photographer shooting, uh, I, I actually I started working in a stock photography agency as, a, uh, as an account executive. Um, actually, it was way back before then. Um, I attended a, one of the photo schools, one of the art academies, and uh, they went in trimesters, and the first trimester was, the tuition was $2,000. I wasn't making a lot of money at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I attended one trimester, and at the same time, uh, a friend of mine was starting a stock photography agency in Denver, Colorado, and uh, and I learned that uh, instead of paying money to spend two, three, or four years in school for an education in photography, I could work as an assistant and uh, assist various photographers uh, and uh, get paid while doing it. It's like an apprenticeship, but it very much is an apprenticeship. Uh, as, uh, you can work with different photographers uh, who are shooting in different styles, be it product photography, tabletop, or uh, portraits on location, travel, or industrial, and find out what it is that you like. And that's exactly what I did. I, I dropped out of the school after one trimester, uh, and worked towards paying off that Loan. <laughs> and, uh, and went to work with various photographers um, for a few years. Uh, then, actually, two years. and Then uh, uh, started working at a stock photography agency because I like the uh, the idea of creating stock photography, shooting what it is, shooting what you like, and uh, and, uh, and of course, you're always a bit there's a lot of fear and trepidation about about making the, the jump into a full-time photographer position on a freelance basis. It's always I wonder where the next paycheck is coming from. So I spent a few years working in the agency, which was a really good thing for me because I learned about the business aspect and negotiations and the value of photographs. Uh, and, and so that laid a solid foundation for when I did eventually uh, become a, a full-time photographer.
0: When you when you were doing the stock, was a good part of that uh, photographing motorsports, or
1: is it that? Did that no, later? no, no. Motorsports was years down the road, It was years away.
0: So how how that come back into play in your life? The internet. Oh yeah, how so? I,
1: I discovered I discovered a website that was uh, that was uh, out of out of the UK, out of uh, England. That was that was tailored only to sports car racing, uh, which, as I said, was uh, really my, my passion. And th- and this was in 1998. There was a sports car race coming up in Atlanta. And a new event, um, uh, uh, either was it a thousand miles or ten hours, whichever came first. And uh, uh, I'd been looking at this website for several months, just following what was going on. And so it rekindled my interest to Sports Corporation, and uh, he uh, emailed the owner of the site and knocked him on and said, hey, uh, if you get me a photographer pass for this event, I'll provide you with images. And while I was there um, doing the event, uh, I met another British photographer, John Brooks, who uh, turned out we were sort of like uh, brothers in a sense, but we were both passionate about this work, about photography. And he um, at the first event in the following year at Sebring in '99, he introduced me to uh, magazine editors, uh, and I became their contract photographer for this new sports car racing magazine that was devoted to the American ambassadors uh, in particular, and other aspects of sports car racing. And uh, so that, uh, that really got me started in, uh, attending all the events, and through that made other contacts for instance, with Audi, who became a major client when mm-hmm.
0: the magazine folded two years later. I had the chance to to, you know, to first meet you and, and see you at work back in Monterey a, a couple of years ago, and it gave me a real newfound appreciation for the difficulty in in being able to do this well, which you do exceptionally so. Um, but tell me about your own learning curve in terms of being able to create distinctive images of, of, of motorsports, because it's it's, an, it's a challenge on so many counts.
1: Right, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and it goes back um, uh, to working at the photo agency, uh, and, and even before then, uh, I, um, uh, some uh, fellows who might consider mentors, I've been only through books and magazines and seeing their work with the folks like uh, Pete Turner, Jamie Adele, uh, lesser known might be uh, Richard Hamilton Smith out of Minnesota, does a lot of commercial work uh, in a very artistic sense. And Freeman Patterson out of uh, Canada does. Uh, some amazing books. On, on, uh, not a complete collection, but uh, his books on photography and the art of seeing were really instrumental in, in helping me to develop a, a style to see beyond what what's there and to see more into the spiritual or the, uh, the uh, emotional, the psychological, what's in front of you. Uh, and also to see in terms of art, and composition, design, elements of color, light, shadow, shapes. And uh, so there was a solid foundation in place before I got into motorsport when it came to, uh, when it came to photography. I'd also had a background. Uh, I'd studied art um, when I was in high school and college, and uh, had some wonderful teachers that uh, really instilled a good sense of uh, design, and use of color. Uh, so there's uh, the, the, all those sort of came into play when I got into motorsport photography. Yeah,
0: because that's what I really love about looking at, at your images is there's such an awareness of color and, and, and composition. It's not just documenting uh, a race, you know. It's you can look at these images just as pieces of art individually, um, which is one of the reasons I always just love taking in your images because your images are images that I can really linger on, you know, which, you, you. which which is wonderful, particularly in sports because it's like in one in one one you know one role you're serving as a photojournalist where you're trying to tell a story with a photograph. But you're also doing some amazing stuff with being aware of color and light in in a way that I not typically experience with um, with this type of photography. Uh,
1: thank you, appreciate that. Um, there, there are other instances. There there are elements in the photographs where not only you know sort of it, it, it's it's sort of capturing the moment uh, where. Uh, the driver might be banging the car over curves and the wheels are in the air or, uh, or there might be sparks or something to that effect. Um, capturing an instance or uh, the glimpse in the driver's eyes that kind of thing.
0: That also adds a little extra element mm-hmm. to, to, to the work. And to be good at sports photography, you really need to know your your, your sport. Um, what, what elements of, of of the driver and particularly the track itself, do you need to be aware of in order to really make some successful images?
1: Uh, that's a good question. think about that. Uh, in terms of drivers, it's good to know their style, uh, to know uh, how they may attack a particular corner. Uh, and in terms of circuits, it's there's, there's certainly benefit gained from knowing the circuit and the, the, the corners and the events and what time of day to shoot or watch from which location and to, to, to sort of step out of the ordinary and to think of something uh, that's, uh, that uh, is different from the norm, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to look, at, uh, look at something from a different perspective say, well, everybody's over in this location, let's go over, let's go over and uh, look at it from the other side, and um, who we might come up with, or is there a way to you know, gain some elevation or a low perspective?
0: Um, uh, I think I sort of got away from the question there. How about,
1: how about the, the um,
0: in respect to the track, because I remember you mentioning, you know, you, you find a good location of the track, and then all of a sudden all the other photographers are are, are, are there. Oh, yeah, they, they tend, we tend to sort of move in
1: herds. Um, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing uh, in that um, there might be four or five of us standing at one location and somebody, and then suddenly somebody sees uh, someone standing down to the left or the right or whatever and everyone migrates over that <laughs> way and like you know, follow each other into the sea. Um, uh, and and that's, that's sort of a hard thing to break away from. We also find ourselves looking at each other's works, and seeing where they're shooting from, or how they're how they're uh, capturing a particular location, event. And, uh, and many times, we all go out and we copy that. And that's okay if you go out and do it better, I suppose. If you do it slightly different make it better, uh, but uh, then you sort of lose the, the creative spark by doing that. It's, it's good to go out and walk the circuit. And, you know, and For instance, I have an, an assistant uh, photographer who uh, sometimes travels with me to events uh, or I'll to one that I can't make. And the first thing he does is he goes out and he walks the complete circuit you know, at the end of the day or during the event, uh, mm-hmm. first day of practice, and and makes notes of, of, uh, of where he wants to shoot at, particularly time of day, which is a very smart thing to do. And he comes away with with images that are completely different from
0: what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Some of the images that you've done are, are I think, uh, are, are, con- are sort of conceptual. You really have to think about them ahead of time, especially because of your proximity to the vehicle. Uh, one of them I saw on your website is is with the uh, with the wheel of the car very close to the frame, and I guess it's it's right on the track. Uh,
1: right. Yeah. Belgian. Was any. Uh an Audi station wagon, the bot they call it. And uh, that particular corner that we are approaching is one of the most popular, most notorious in all of motorsport, called Grouge, where cars will go through at 160 miles an hour, and it's this uh, attempt at bravery where the drivers will try to go through it without lifting their foot off of the gas boat. And... and so I was hanging out of the window with a fisheye on a, on, a, uh, on a camera and handheld and slower shutter speed, of course, to capture the movement, the spinning of the wheel, and uh, and with the fisheye lens, I able to get all of that corner. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's a signature shot of, of that particular corner in that, that racing circuit.
0: It's a great photograph. Thank you. Um. Awesome. In in terms of some of the shots that you have, uh, there's several. Uh, I think uh, with the I guess with the Audi, Audi uh, team drivers, where you have I guess you're on a, in a car in front of them.
1: Mm, right. Yeah, shooting car to car, as they call it, or tracking shot.
0: Yeah, and some of them, you're, it looks like, it looks like you're using a wide-angle lens, and you're pretty close. How how does that work, you know, logistically in terms of being
1: able to create the shoot? Well, it. The way that I'm doing it is fairly primitive in comparison to what the um, car shooters are doing for the uh, car companies that you see in ads and that where they have huge elaborate rigs and uh, with the camera mounted to uh, a lattice work of uh, tubes and pipes attached to the back of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Most often, you know, this is sort of a spur of the moment kind of thing where we're at an event. we see an opportunity to uh, to get the cars onto the circuit and, 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 and do a couple of laps uh, where I basically climb into the trunk of the uh, car or the back of a minivan a sport utility vehicle and uh, shoot handheld uh, as the cars are uh, traveling along behind us. Uh, and, and I think one in particular of the two Audi side by side where they're almost touching that, uh, that's thanks to J.J. Leighton, the one driver in the one car, who likes to have fun, where he moved over very close to his uh, teammate, Frank Biela, and uh, was within a... he had to be with less than half an inch of the other car. We were doing 80 mile an hour down the back straight at Rosenblatt. And that's much, much slower than what these cars are traveling And They know the space of their cars. And... and <laughs> very much fun, because they give them simple hand directions, you know, waving my hand forward to get him to come forward, and so when I do that to JJ, I'm sitting in the back of this Audi A8, um, in the trunk, and I, and when I wave him forward, he, he, he puts the nose of the car underneath the bumper, the A8 that I'm riding in, where I could just reach out, and I touch the headlamp covers of the car. it was, you know, like that, you know, that's sort of fun. So anyway, as, a uh, it, it, as I said, it's uh, fairly primitive, and pretty simple, I and mean, just in, in the back of a car shooting out. Um, and um, working with a wide-angle lens, of course, uh, for that particular shot, and uh, just working angles and shutter speeds to be able to create a sense of motion and, and drama with the use of the wide-angle in the cars. You know, they're very close, close you know, to the camera to each other. Mm-hmm.
0: What's the most uh, ar- arduous part about uh, shooting these things? Because I know you you shoot a, a, a variety of different races, including the 24-hour uh, Le Mans. But right. what's what's is it primarily physically challenging because of you have to move around, particularly with with the long glass? Is is that probably a more difficult part? Or is it something else? Uh,
1: that's a yeah. That's a that's probably the most difficult aspect, and and event event like the 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, which uh, basically takes place over a week it's the uh, practice sessions qualifying and, and all of that. Um, extremely long days um, where you're on location for 8, 12, 15 hours a day, the whole week. And then the race doesn't start until Saturday, and not only on Saturday, but at 4 p.m. Saturday. Uh, and, uh, and then so it goes for another 24 hours, and uh, you're thoroughly exhausted by Sunday morning. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and there's still eight hours of racing to go. Oh. Um, and then, of course, there's the, uh, the post-processing part as well, shooting raw images. Uh, you're at the computer, or you can be at the computer for days after the event, two or three days, solid editing, much like in the old days of film, you're spending two, three, four days at the light table, uh, yeah. eight hours a day, blaming over images uh, and editing. That's... That Hasn't really
0: changed. How many thousands of images do you
1: take on average in the course of a day? On a three-day weekend, um, anywhere from fifteen hundred to twenty-five hundred images. No a longer event, it might go to
0: five thousand to eight thousand images. Wow! So how do how do, how do you, what's your workflow when you're dealing with that many images, particularly when you you know you're, you're having to provide a certain you know quality and a certain number of images to your to your client?
1: Well, thanks to Photoshop CS2 and Camera Raw. Uh, the automatic, uh, uh, the automatic settings that are available, and, and the ability to uh, to adjust out of those automatic settings, it's fairly quick. I these days I'm I'm processing 700, yeah. 600 to 800 images uh, from a three-day event, uh, and that's and that's occurring during the event, in between practice sessions, qualifying, and into the evening after the day, where uh, i able to generate two or three hundred. Images in a day, same time as I'm uh, uh, creating those ones and shooting them. You, you so had, it's it's it, it goes it it's it's tedious. It's it's a lot of work and it's hard work. There's not a lot of glamour about it.
0: You had mentioned initially that the initial contact had been for a magazine outside the United States. Are you is the market primarily for these images in in Europe? Uh.
1: No, it's more worldwide. am um, yeah, working for Audi, um, the the, uh, the images uh, that I create for them are then uh, uploaded to the Audi servers uh, that same day, that same evening, and made available worldwide for editorial use uh, around the world. The Audi's making a huge push uh, with their sports car racing to sell their road-going cars, a lot of what they develop um, on the racing circuit is then carried over onto the road-going cars uh, this year. It's a, a diesel-powered um, racing car that um, has won. It's, a, it, it's the first diesel-powered car to win a major motorsport event at the 24 hours of the mile. Winter. It won up to 12 hours before that uh, this year. And uh, so we're going to be seeing a huge marketing push by Audi the next year in the United States to, to uh, sell diesels, which is, has always been a hard sell in America. Um, and this, of course, is also taking place worldwide. Uh, this big marketing push. Uh, so it's a it's a, it's a major marketing for reality.
0: Yeah. With their motorsports. Well, motorsports isn't the only thing you you shoot. When when people go to the website to take a look at your work, uh, I see that you do a lot of editorial work. And I think that your portraiture uh, really reflects what people see in your motorsports images, is that that keen awareness of light, the willingness to, to, to use light and make it as much of a subject as the person that you're photographing.
1: Um, right, that really goes back to the art background um, and also uh, studying the works of great photographers like Turner and Maisel and I mentioned Hamilton Smith and, and uh, uh, Freeman Patterson, um, that, that, you know, he's working with shapes and color, and, and it, it, uh, it, uh, it really carries through and uh, helps to create uh, unique images. Um, when I first started to get into the photography, uh, the, the business and the photography uh, on my own as a freelance photographer, I was living in San Francisco, and... and uh, the apartment I was in had a view of the Transamerica Pyramid and I was always fascinated with that and also fascinated with Alcatraz, which was out another window. And uh, in Photo District News, I had read an article about how American corporations were buying stock images of their building and using it in their ad campaigns. And uh, so I had, and there was a particular location that, that I knew of San Francisco and where I wanted to photograph a building which involved the road by the way which kind of ties in with the love of cars and motorsport uh, and after reading this article I went out and made this photograph at twilight with the pyramid rising over the road with a double yellow line mm-hmm. right in North Beach in San Francisco and I had uh, other photographs of the building uh, pre-existing photographs and, uh, and, um, and so when I got the film back the photo looked great and I called up the uh, the design firm within Trans America who's doing the ads and uh, asked them about the campaign, said that I had some photographs and they said you'd love to them?" and they said, When can you when can you drop them? When can you uh, send them? And I said, Well, I can drop them off in an hour or two. And went in and showed them the photographs and they went straight to the one that I had shot the night before and that ad became sort of the centerpiece of their campaign that year. It was it was useless. Double truck on all the major magazines, and also as a wraparound cover on the annual report, and that led to seven years of me photographing uh, uh, for Trans-America, Even after I moved away from San Francisco, that's that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, it, it is.
0: <laughs> you never know what can happen.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so, you know, it's it's a, it's it's a matter of going out and making things happen. You know, you can, you know, the cliches, you know, do what you you know what your what your heart. You can always, have to go. You can do what your are set out to do. Something like that. Um, as long as you have the drive, it's, 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 it's,
0: it's limitless. Yeah. One of the images that I really liked um, on your website, in your in your people section, was that image of the uh, of the man holding a a typewriter in a room, and he has his glasses on, and, and there's this uh, series of wires. Uh, above his head, glowing in red.
1: Right. Tell me about that right. picture. <laughs> yeah. uh, the subject was actually a friend of mine, uh, Michael Baumgart, who uh, he, he was a very unusual fellow, a great guy. He he was writing shock fiction at the time, much like the David Lynch movie kind of stuff, you know. Um, and he lived in a group home in D.C. and. Uh, that light fixture, you know, we went to his house and uh, had a look around, and there was that light fixture in the ceiling of the main living room, and, uh, I forget where we got the typewriter from, got uh, yeah, one of his, uh, stories that, uh, inserted a sheet of paper there, and, uh, and, uh, these great glasses that, he uh, had gotten in France, the, the prescription glasses, gotten the frames in France, and, uh, um, just photographed it in a way to um, make it look kind of shocking, I guess. You know, the, the red gel on the on the light in the background and um, the softbox reflecting in the glasses uh, to create uh, a sort of a know, blind seer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, yeah, really strong image. So I'm sure it's helped it get me work. Yeah, brought images of
0: William Burroughs to mind when I saw it. in in, in terms of you uh, uh, your work outside of the the, the motor sports um, how is it for you because you're known primarily for for motor sports do you find it a challenge to sort of broach other areas of photography when you're not you know when you're not shooting uh, uh, the sport
1: Uh, the last couple of years have been really difficult because I'm working in two sports car racing series which encompasses 28 weekends a year which pretty much
0: And if you can explain the, the, two, the two series for people who are not familiar oh,
1: okay. There, um, there's a series of championships uh, a, a series of races uh, for instance the American Le Mans series has uh, 10 races uh, that uh, uh, where the drivers and the teams and the cars all earn points towards the year end championship and then there's another uh, series involving sports cars, the Grand Am Roll-Up Series. Uh, and the, the two you know, are in competition with each other for entries and drivers and teams and all that. Uh, and I managed to be able to work in both of them. Um, and so with all the test sessions and that, that works up to about 28 weekends a year, which then what of evolves into 28 weeks a year mm. you know, because of all the travel and the processing and, you know, the time in the office have uh, getting images out, that sort of thing. Uh, so the other aspects of business, uh, it's really difficult to maintain that, to, uh, to, to you know, work on uh, little print campaigns or online campaigns uh, that send out the uh, email uh, to, uh, to, to maintain business and the other aspects of the photography that I do. Uh, the motorsport back in, uh, 2000, 2001, it was about 40%, 35 to 50% of my business. And now it's, it's growing, uh, you know, more like 70 to 80% right now, which is something that I don't, it, it's good and, uh, uh, but it's uh, quite a lot of work. And, uh, I would also like to sort of maintain work in the other aspects of photography as well. Uh, for instance, this series, this year's series, uh, will be one end Labor Day weekend. And then there's only two races, uh, the other series after that October 15th the last one and uh, and now I'm looking at okay what am I doing to to maintain business uh, say in October November December so I'm working on campaigns uh, to uh, to yeah. not, on, not only in the automotive industry but uh, the other businesses as well the portraits and the location portraits and the, the, the travel work that's what I
0: what kind of work would you like to be doing in terms of what areas of photography would you like to explore that you haven't had have the opportunity to do today?
1: I would like to get more into the commercial automotive end of things, working with uh, the manufacturers and and uh, the aftermarket suppliers and all well, of that sort of thing uh, outside of motorsport. Uh, it's a very tough stuff to crack. It's very competitive. It's very high end and uh, I would like to do more of that. I would also like to get more into the automotive magazine, which is something I haven't really uh, gone after. Uh, I just picked up some work with Automobile magazine this year and hopefully we'll do more, and uh, and also with other magazines as well. So that's part of the campaign that I'm working on right now. Mm.
0: Are you primarily, when you're working out in the field, are you working with an assistant you, uh, or, or, or no? Or does it depend on where you're going?
1: Uh, most often not in, when, in regards to uh, the uh, auto racing. Uh, most often working by myself. There Sometimes there are events where I have four clients, three or four clients, and I will take along. Uh, I will have another photographer help me out with the photography. Uh, regarding that, and so we'll, you know, we work different ends of the circuit or different ends
0: of the pit lane uh, in order to cover it all and uh, then combine the, uh, the photographs uh, for the clients uh, so it is uh, having an assistant in a sense um, cool well the way I like well, uh, to, to end each interview is to ask uh, a photographer uh, to recommend another photographer who they think is um, People would be interested in, in exploring their work, and so who would that be for you, and why?
1: Probably Freeman Patterson, because he's, he he has uh, certainly inspired me to look beyond the norm, to uh, to to see things, and, and also to uh, create concepts uh, to, to, to 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 reach. Uh, for something that's unique, you know, to make something that, that something in the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Uh, his work in Libya, uh, uh, in the uh, this former uh, gold mining town, uh, where all the houses are still there, but sand dunes has, the sand flowing sands have just moved in through the homes, and it just he's created these wonderful wonderful photographs. Uh, in these places of rooms, uh, multicolored rooms that are also filled with sand and with light and shadow, and it's really remarkable. Okay, and his uh, and books as well, and regarding uh, how to create uh, photographs rather than just take photographs.
0: Well, thank you so much, Regis. I, I, again, thank you for for making the time.
1: Uh, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to Regis, and it was a, a good opportunity for me to, to really talk about his work. Well, if you have any comments about this or any previous episode, feel free to email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian X Perello, and this is The Candid Frame.